some of your uh, financial troubles along the way. Uh, you know, when it started off, you're like, uh, you know, here's the new year. We're going to do so good this year. And, and then you hit the wall and uh, th- things seem to go the opposite direction of the way that they were originally looking like they were going. But independent of circumstances, we've got joy. And one of the first things we need to realize about joy is you got the same kind of joy that Jesus has. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, you see, we, we, we already see things that kind of set us up for this because we've got the same kind of uh, uh, love that Jesus has. Jesus told us to love one another as I have loved you. Well, you couldn't do that if he didn't pass on the same kind of love and give you the ability to love others with the same love that he loved you with. So we see that, that Jesus passed on his very own love. We see that Jesus passed on his very own peace. Like when he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. There's not somebody else's version of peace. That's the very same kind that he was operating with. I'm going to wave at you this morning. Hallelujah. So he also passed on his joy to us. His own joy. John chapter 15 and verse 11 reads like this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. John 17 verse 13 says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. In both cases, Jesus is talking about his joy. And you put it together and you realize this, that Jesus' desire for us is that his joy remains in us and that his joy is fulfilled in us. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and dig into this a little bit. Uh, so we understand that, that the, the joy that we can have as believers is the very same kind of joy that Jesus has. But what's the, what's the source of this joy? Well, we realize that the Word of God is the source of this joy. We realize in Jeremiah 15, 16, the words of the prophet who said, Your words were found, and I ate them. You see, the concept of the uh, milk and the meat of the word was not only a, a New Testament concept. It was already around long before. Like when it was said in the book of Deuteronomy that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And here in other places, but here specifically, where the prophet said, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Anybody ever get excited and joyful about the word? Hallelujah. Well, if you haven't, you obviously haven't spent much time in it because it is not possible for you to dig into the book and see what the book says and see what God's saying to you and for you not to have yourself a joy fit. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 and verse 14 says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I mean, you know, you're excited about the testimonies of God. That's his word. That's what he's testifying about. 
what his testimonies are what he testifies about, what he's speaking forward. And, and, and you and I, we can rejoice in his word as much as we would in, in, in getting a bunch of riches. I mean, you think you'd do a happy dance if, if you got the knock on your door and, uh, uh, and you want publisher's clearinghouse or something like that. You think, oh yeah, that would make my day. That, that would be the ultimate. Well, let me tell you, the, the ultimate is the word of God. Because you see, that money could take you so far, but that money couldn't buy you love, and it couldn't buy you health, and it couldn't buy you some other things. But when you see what the word of God says, and you rejoice in the word, you're rejoicing over the word even more so than you would over riches, because you realize this, you get the things that the money can't buy, and when you need the money, the money's going to be there too. Hallelujah. Psalm 119, verse 162. It says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. Hallelujah. You know, this is a common theme throughout Scripture. Over in Psalm 19, it says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. John, in his first epistle that he wrote, 1 John, he said, These things... I write to you that your joy may be full. <laughs> and, and, you know, we just celebrated Christmas, and I believe uh, uh, I, 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 my prayer is that everybody had a real uh, wonderful and blessed Christmas holiday. But, but the message of Christmas, when it was delivered, was packaged as a message of great joy. Luke chapter 2 and verse 10 says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Can somebody realize today that the word of God is a source of joy for you? Hallelujah. Good tidings of great joy. Now, as with many things in Scripture, there's always that connection between the Word and the Spirit. So we see now, not just that the Word of God is a source of joy to you, but that the Holy Spirit is a source of joy to you. Are you ready for that now? Galatians chapter 5 Verse 22 through 23, and we'll just read a little bit of this here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. We can keep on reading, but that's good enough right there. I want you to see that love, joy, and peace, specifically joy, that's what we're talking about today, is the fruit of the Spirit. Well, people have asked the question, well, is that the fruit of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the human spirit? And you know what? In, in, in a sense, what I want to communicate to you is that both are true. It's really the fruit of a human spirit that is recreated and has the Holy Spirit dwelling within it. You see what I'm saying? It's the fruit of a human spirit that has the Holy Spirit indwelling it. And, and, and so we realize this, you get the root, hey, you get the fruit. And the root is the Holy Spirit 
And therefore, when you get the root in you, then you can produce this kind of fruit. Hallelujah. I think somebody ready to get happy with me today. And part of this fruit we're talking about is joy. Romans 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Acts 13 and verse 52 says the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You know what, one verse that uh, I did not give to the booth, but I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you all know about it. It's 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, where it says that, that these had received the word in much affliction and with joy of the Holy Spirit. So we saw the, the connection between the word and joy, and now we see the connection between the Holy Spirit and joy. Let's check this out. You, you, you want to see Jesus have a joy fit? Hey, this is Luke chapter 10. And this verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. You see, rejoice is the verb for joy. See, see when, when you get joyful, you are rejoicing. You're rejoicing is the verb for joy. Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed, for so it seemed good in your sight. But what kind of experience did Jesus have? It, it said, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. I'm going to go ahead and read to you uh, uh, a few different renderings of that particular statement. Uh, the God's Word translation says the Holy Spirit filled Jesus with joy. The New Living Translation says Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. The Contemporary English Version said Jesus felt the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. The Good News Translation that says, uh, says this, Jesus was filled with joy by the Holy Spirit. And this is the, the Passion Translation. This says, Jesus was overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy. I like that one particularly. Jesus was overflowing with the Holy Spirit's anointing of joy. Because joy is an anointing. We recognize the, the concept of anointing in the Bible. And, and, and the concept of anointing with oil. Uh, that started real early where, where, when, when something was anointed, the, the word actually means to smear, that oil was rubbed on or, or smeared on something when something or someone got anointed. But, but, but we understand this, that the, the oil is not powerful in and of itself. It's what that oil represents. That is really the source of power. And, and oil is very much symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So when you talk about the anointing, you're, you're not just talking about being anointed with some thing. You're talking about being anointed with some one. Hallelujah. And Jesus 
I want you to see this. And, and you know, a lot of times when people think about Jesus, and, you know, understandably so, because the Bible does describe Jesus in Isaiah 53 as the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Of course, we understand that that would better be translated uh, a man of pain and acquainted with sickness because uh, that, that's that same Hebrew word that could be translated as sorrow could also be tr- translated as sickness and disease. And, and so that Isaiah 53 is laying out the way that he was our absolute substitute and bore everything that, that, that could ever come upon us and he bore it as our substitute so that we would not have to bear it. Hallelujah. But Jesus, the scripture says, and I want you to read this to me, was not just man of sorrows, though he was for a certain point in time as our substitute and as our redeemer did fulfill that role. But I want you to see something about Jesus that you may have never even realized was in the word before. Or if it did, you read it too quick. And this is something that I'm going to read out of the New Testament, but it's also referred to in the Old Testament. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Talking to Jesus here. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. That means that God anointed Jesus, because that's who's being talked about here, with the oil of gladness more than his companions. That means Jesus got more of this oil than anybody else got. Mm -mm -mm. That means Jesus had more of the oil of gladness on him. He was anointed with more oil of gladness than any of his companions. More than his companions. The original King James Bible says that he was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his fellows. Now, if you never realized that about Jesus, let's realize that right now. Hallelujah. Because that's pretty amazing. But I want you to realize this as well. That the one who was anointed with gladness above everybody else is also anointed to take that same oil and pour it on you. You remember Jesus going into his hometown and reading the scripture out of Isaiah, the 61st chapter, and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel, to, to bring deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. You remember that? Well, I want you to go ahead and look at me in Isaiah 61, and we're going to look at the continued list of these things that Jesus is anointed to do. Are you interested? So what else is Jesus anointed to do besides what you can read there in Luke chapter 4 that he talked to uh, the the, the people in the synagogue in his hometown? Verse 3 of Isaiah 61 says that he was also anointed to do this, to console those who mourn in Zion. He was anointed to give them beauty for ashes. He was anointed to give them the oil of joy for mourning. 
He was anointed to give them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and that he might be glorified. Hallelujah. So Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than the rest of his companions. And Jesus was anointed not just for the sake of him being full of joy and gladness himself, but Jesus was anointed to anoint us. Jesus was anointed to anoint us, to give us the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness and beauty instead of ashes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So did you ever realize that about Jesus? You know, I appreciate, you know, attempts to put the life of Christ on the big screen so, so that uh, people can be reached with the message of the gospel and, and see a, a sample of what, what it may have been like, what the feeding of the 5,000 may have looked like, or, or, or what, what, what a certain events in the life and ministry of Jesus may have looked like. I appreciate that. But one thing that I, a lot of people have gotten wrong, in my opinion, and I believe that this is an opinion based on Scripture here, is they've made Jesus look just serious all the time. And I don't mean that he wasn't serious and serious about his mission and, and serious about what he was called to do. But I'm talking about the, the, the fact that, 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 that it, it just didn't look like Jesus was enjoying himself very much. I got to tell you, if you're talking about somebody who was anointed with the oil of gladness more than all of his companions were, we're talking about a pretty glad guy. Hallelujah. And if joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the same Spirit that he was anointed with, you can't come up with any other conclusion except that if somebody was going to have the fruit of the Spirit manifest and at work in his life better than anybody else, then he had to be quite a joyful guy. Hallelujah. Now, what are some of the manifestations of joy? What, what does joy look like when it shows up? Well, one way that joy can show up is through music, singing, and dancing. Music, singing, and dancing. First Samuel eighteen six. This is happening after Goliath was slain, and so this part of the celebration. Once that uncircumcised Philistine was knocked out by a rock between the eye. Hallelujah. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the woman had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So this manifestation of joy here was musical instruments, tambourines, singing and dancing. You know, Psalm 30 and verse 11 says, You have turned for me my mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Hallelujah. 
Some of y'all just need to practice that sometime. And you know what? The best time to practice that is at the moment when you feel the least joyful. <laughs> I'm not going to jump too far ahead because I'm going to go ahead and wrap up with something. But I need to plant this thought in you right now. That, that my wife and I, as, as we're walking our own walk with God out. And as, as we're looking to be doers of the word in our own lives and in our own household. We have developed a habit that, that we dance when we get good news. And we also dance when we get an unexpected bill in the mail. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, man, there, we got this medical bill in. Uh, something that my wife had to have done. And, and we just looked at it together and said, ha, ha, ha. Did you see that? I'm telling you, it makes the devil crazy because he had a moment where he thinks, I've got them. All right, they're getting bad news. They're going to go ahead and get in a funk today. And oh no, look out. They're keeping their joy. What's up with that? You won't get your enemy confused. You, this is how to do it. You react according to the word and according as if you were getting the best news you ever got even at a moment where it looks like the worst news you ever got it absolutely confuses and confounds the enemy he don't know what to do <laughs> but i gotta tell you there's something about rejoicing at the moment when it feels like rejoicing is the last thing that should be on your mind to do it's intentional. It's purposeful. It's called faith. And we'll get more into that later. All right. Let's say, how about shouting? You know, the Bible talks about shouting for joy. Psalm 32, 11 talks about that. Another Psalm talks about that. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Well, are you favoring his cause? In other words, whose side are you on? Yeah, you know how this thing ends up. You won't be on the Lord's side. You don't want to not be on the Lord's side when this thing gets wrapped up. Believe me. So if you're on the Lord's side and favoring his cause, what does it say to do? Woo! Shout for joy and be glad. Hallelujah. How about Jesus? Talk about having the opposite reaction that you would think you'd be having at a certain moment in time. Look at this. This is called leaping for joy. Luke chapter 6, 22 and 23. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you. And cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and, woo, leap for joy. For indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Once again, a reaction that is absolutely opposed to what most other people would be doing at that moment in time. When you're being hated and excluded and reviled and having your name cast out as evil just because you believe in Jesus? Hey. And, and you know what? 
Jesus' disciples were just wild enough to act this out because in the book of Acts, when you read about one of the first cases of persecution taking place where where they were being beaten for speaking in the name of Jesus, you know what it says? It says they rejoiced for being counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. What kind of way of thinking is this? This is God way of thinking. This is word way of thinking. This is the kind of thinking that will end you up on top and not on the bottom. Hallelujah. How about laughing? <laughs> Psalm uh, chapter 126. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Hallelujah. You know, I'm telling you, it's part of the the way that that, uh, Angela and I have been walking out our walk. Where we get, uh, let's say uh, she got some kind of news on her job that didn't quite seem favorable. That's a good moment to say, ha, 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 ha. You say, Pastor Ray, you crazy. Well, I got to tell you what, you can say what you want. I got a whole lot more joy than you got. (laughs) Because here's the thing. What, what are you doing with anything else? The Bible talks about putting on love because you don't feel like loving somebody all the time, but you can put on love. I'm not talking about put on love like you're putting on an act. I'm talking about putting on love like I put on my jacket today. It's something that's yours. It's something that's yours in Christ. You put it on and you wear it. You put it on like you put on the armor of God. Well, put on your joy. Put on your joy. Put on your garments of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Go ahead and put it on and wear it well. Because joy looks good on you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. How about the timing of joy? Well, when's a good time to be joyful? In bad times. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, I'm exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. You say, what? That don't make any sense. Oh, yeah, it does in the kingdom. <laughs> when you're in the kingdom, when you're looking from God's perspective, that's the perfect time to be joyful. Hallelujah. He said, I'm exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And as Pastor John has taught over the years, that's an accounting term where you're taking something that doesn't necessarily fit in the joy column, but you're counting it as joy. You might put it, you know, in your fleshly mind, you want to put that in the sorrow column, or you want to put that in the bad day column, but know what you're doing, you're putting it in the joy column. And the reason why is that you are rejoicing anyways. You know, you are rejoicing despite that, because as we said in the beginning, joy is not dependent on circumstances. Real joy is independent of circumstances. 
And if there's a verse you need to remember today, oh, Lord, we need to go to the book of Habakkuk. You say, what? See, some of you ain't spent much time in the minor prophets. But I'll tell you, if you haven't read Habakkuk, then you missed this. Look what you missed. Verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Can I give you the Pastor Ray version of that? Absolutely everything went wrong and nothing went right. Yet, I will rejoice. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you this, that there's such power in that, that if you do that, and practice that, that it will cause the things that have gone wrong to start turning around and going right. Is somebody ready to shout today? Hallelujah. When you do that, they'll put the calves back in the stall, I'm telling you. <laughs> they'll put the fruit back on the vines. Hallelujah. So when the the timing of joy in bad times, that's the timing of joy. That's the time to put your joy on. How about when facing fear? Joel 2, 21 says, fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. So when you have a chance to fear, and when it seems that fear would be the natural way to go, what's God saying? Hey, hey. No, no fear. That's not the way to go. Be glad and rejoice. Hallelujah. How about when you need some strength and some health? When you need strength and health, that's a good time for joy. You know, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, he said, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet. Send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And how significant is this when you consider that the very joy we got is the same joy that Jesus got. The joy you've got is the joy of the Lord. It's his very own joy that he gave to you. And when you operate in that joy, that causes strength to rise up inside of you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How about Proverbs 17, verse 22? A merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. And I got to tell you, in the middle of a year like this, we've seen a lot of broken spirits. A lot of broken spirits. Because circumstances have been bad in the lives of a lot of people. But I got to tell you, a broken spirit will dry the bones. A broken spirit will make matters worse. I mean, the fact that you've got a pile of bones is bad enough. Now you're going to dry in the bones. <laughs> but a merry heart does good like 
medicine. Hallelujah. Because the joy and the gladness of the Lord, hallelujah, it will do you good. It will bring strength to you. It will be medicine to you. And just in case you're still wondering about the timing of joy, how about this? That the timing of joy is all the time. Psalm 89, verse 16. In your name, they rejoice all day long. Hallelujah. Or Philippians 4, the words of the Apostle Paul in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you didn't get that, again, I will say rejoice. Paul said it in another book, 1 Thessalonians 5. He said rejoice always. Glory to God. Now we lead up to this moment where we see that, that uh, uh, this joy... That, that this joy that we have, it's given to us by Jesus. It's the same joy that he had. We also see that joy came because of the word and joy came because of the spirit of God. And then we also took a look at um, the timing of joy and the manifestations of joy. But what I want you to see as we get ready to go today is the connection between joy and faith. This is so important for us to get. We've already started seeing it already. So we're not introducing a new concept to the message. It's already been introduced. But I want you to see this and get this. I want you to take a look at Jesus, for example. Hebrews chapter 12, 2 through 3. It says, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Now this is very, very important. That Jesus himself, who's the author and finisher of our faith, how did he operate? He endured in the middle of the most trying time for him because of the joy that was set before him. And I say to you today, when you're in the middle of something that's extremely difficult and extremely tough and seemingly in the middle of something that it's hard to see a way out of, but can you look with the eyes of your faith ahead in time at the joy that is set before you in the same way that Jesus did. Jesus, in the middle of the extreme suffering that he experienced on our behalf, was able to look ahead at the joy that was set before him. And hey, I got to tell you, us, we're part of that joy. <laughs> when he was looking at the joy that's ahead, it was the joy of having a relationship with us. Hallelujah. Us and countless others. Glory to God. But when you're in the middle of something and you're having to endure, can you, for the joy that's set ahead of you, 
for what's out there on the other side of the hard time, for, for what's out there on the other side of the difficulty. Can, can you see where you're going in the middle of where you're at? Oh, come on, somebody. It's kind of like the words of the psalmist David in Psalm 27 when he said, I would have lost heart if I did not believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And in the most trying time of my life, that verse there kept me so steady because it allowed me to be able to look ahead and see where I was going to see what was possible, even though where I was now did not look anything like that. But there was joy set before me, and I was able to look ahead with the eye of my faith at the joy set before me and to endure what was going on right now because I could see where I was going to. Woo, come on. If you're trusting God with your future, what are you going to do? You're going to do the following. Psalm 511 says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Hallelujah. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. But you see what this is talking about? That's talking about you, you putting your trust in God. And because you put your trust in God that you can rejoice. You're rejoicing because you're putting your trust in God and you're not trying to go ahead and make something happen because you may be out of control and not able to make anything happen. But you're putting your faith and trust and confidence in the one who can do something about it. And in the process of doing that, ah, I'm just going to put on joy and gladness and not worry about it. Because you see, all these things connected together. Joy, peace, love, faith. These are all interconnected things. You see that? So when you go, go ahead and, and, and having your joy, at that same time, you also see you're having peace. Because <laughs> it takes peace to be joyful in a tough time when it looks like you have no reason to be joyful. So all these things are interconnected together, but they're all coming from the same spirit. Hallelujah. They're all fruit from the same root. You know, Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So you see, there's joy and peace in believing. How do you know if you really believe in God or if you're not believing God? How do you know if you're really in faith or if you're not in faith about something? One big thing to do is to check your joy meter and your peace meter. Because when you can kick back and know God's got it, hey, hallelujah, your joy and peace will be up. When you're biting your nails and wondering that joy and peace meter are going to be down. But hey, if there's one, one, one thing I want to get across to you as we close today regarding the connection between joy and faith, it would be this right here. The amazing words of Peter out of 1 Peter chapter 1, 6-8. Read this with me. I don't mean you, you don't have to read it out loud, but I want you to Tune in to this. Very important. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith, 
being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, before we go on to verse 8, let me just say this. If you want to know about the genuineness of your faith and how your faith's doing on this test, being tested by fire, a big determining factor is how much rejoicing you're doing in the middle of a trial. How much rejoicing you're doing in the middle of a hard time is a big indicator of whether your faith is genuine and whether your faith is passing the test of fire. All right? Now, verse 8. Now, just reference Jesus at the end of verse 7. So this is talking about Jesus. Whom having not seen, having not seen Jesus, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. So think about this. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. Though now you do not yet see your answer, yet believing, you rejoice. Though now you do not yet see your breakthrough, yet believing, you rejoice. Though now you do not yet see that thing that you've been believing God for and waiting for, yet believing, you rejoice. If you're really believing, you rejoice even when you don't see because that's called living above sea level, somebody. And I'm not talking about ground level of the ocean. I'm talking about sea level, living above the level of what you see with your eyes. Because you can look further than that. And you can know that even though I don't see something, I can still rejoice about something I don't see. Because I know that this stuff here, I can touch it and feel it. But I know that the real stuff is that in the unseen. That which is in the realm of what is not tangible. I can't see it with my eyes. I can't touch it with my hands. But that realm, that unseen invisible realm is the very realm that put this physical realm in place. So therefore I can rejoice even though I don't see something. And that's what we do. Though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Joy inexpressible. You know what is great about joy inexpressible? Is that all these manifestations of joy, you just want to do them all at once. Hallelujah. You, you just want to go ahead and sing. And, and, and you, you want to cry tears of joy. And you want to go ahead and, and, and uh, you, you want to uh, uh, take a running fit and take a dancing fit and have a benefit. Hallelujah. Have any kind of good kind of fit. Hallelujah. And just rejoice in the goodness of God. Because it's not moved by what you can see. This is motivated by what you can't see. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's a good way to finish up 2020. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray today, Father. We honor you. We're so thankful for the word of God today. We're so thankful for the spirit of God 
and his fruit that are growing in the lives of us as believers. Hallelujah. And Father, we, we choose today to be stirred up in our faith, stirred up in our joy, motivated to look for you and, and to look at you and, and to keep our gaze fixed on you, though we cannot see you with our physical gaze, with our eyes of faith, our, our gaze is fixed on you. And we rejoice about what we can't physically see, but we can see in the Spirit. And Father, for these people here today, I thank you for your blessing on them and that the word of God that's been sown today is producing fruit and a great harvest in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.